Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 20 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey local provider. also have an MBA in finance and I've been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And I'm Gordon Leppard, financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. Good to be here today, guys. Yeah, good day. it is good to be here. Another good day to disseminate some great financial advice and prescriptions, and uh, we, we got some, them. We have some pithy topics today, I think. We do. We have some great topics here, but we're excited to have you listen to us today on our radio show. We're right, we're right here every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m., like today, and you can also stream us live on uh, the the web, moneymd.net. Yeah. Go to our website. We had the podcast set up. Um, a lot, lot of good feedback. We look at the the, the number of um, downloads of the podcast, and there's a lot of people listening. Um, there are not just in South Carolina, but all over the nation. And actually, we had some international uh, listeners. So, welcome. We do <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show, no doubt. And you can also pick us up on iTunes. Um, you can, uh, if you have your smartphone there, uh, you can listen to our podcast at anywhere, anytime. So, download those, and you can stream the show as well live um, off the. Uh, off iTunes, and uh, you know my my nine year old asked how she could uh, hear the radio show. Did she today? Yeah, that's awesome. And I told her I said you can go to you know this website or website or uh, over here over there on the computer. I said and we can we can even listen to radio shows we've done in the past. Fantastic! And she was there like, awesome, Daddy. There you go. Even, nine years old, the, starting them young, man. That's right. Even like elementary it. kids, financial piece, junior. Mm-hmm. There you go. Awesome. All right. We uh, speaking of awesome, we have some great topics to talk about this morning. Um, you know, one of those is there are a lot of myths out there about retirement. Um, so we're going to talk about the 10 retirement saving myths and how to debunk those. We're debunking those today. Debunking them. Taking them it. down. We're taking them down. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to follow that up with an article about how to improve your, your credit score. I mean, we get questions on that periodically. The FICO score is what a lot of people look at. And we've got some simple steps that you can do to go through that. Now, obviously, uh, Mr. Ramsey's not a big fan of the FICO score. Um, but a lot of people look at it, and um, a lot of businesses also make decisions on lending and sometimes um, pricing from an insurance standpoint looks at that as well. So we'll, we'll dive into that. We've got some good good hints for you. Yeah, that's a good one. That, and then we're going to uh, take a look at auto sales this year. So far, they've set a pretty fast pace, uh, one of the quickest paces, I think, since 2006. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of see where we are um, with auto sales across the board. Yeah, a good, good barometer of the economy. So that's great. All right, we're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yes, this comes from the Department of Labor and uh, looking at inflation. And, guys, really over the last 10 years, inflation has really been tame. Uh, it has. I mean, it really has. It's averaged just under 2%. Um, you know, uh, and the, there, But there's a piece of it that's been a little bit higher than that. The medical portion of that, um, which is a part of the CPI, has actually averaged 
3.3%. And that that really surprised me. I thought it would have been significantly higher than 3.3. Well, you know, I did too. And it's interesting about that because I don't know what they throw in there. But I've heard more recently that, you know, medical may be going up a lot faster pace. I don't pace. know about you guys, but when I get my medical bill on a monthly basis, not monthly, but annual, it goes up 8 to 12%. And it has the last three years. So oh, I, I mean, 15 I or 20% yeah. is not uncommon. I don't know where this 3% premiums. is happening. I was going to say that does kind of seem odd. It you does know, seem if, low. If you've seen that kind of trajectory of uh, increase if it's only three point three, but even three yeah. percent is going to make a, a pretty big difference over ten years. You oh, may absolutely. have hundred bucks going to one hundred and thirty potentially. Yeah, you wonder if they're they're measuring off a of medical cost instead of like the cost for Medicare. Yeah, yeah that's you right. know, because people on Medicare, yeah, their premiums don't go up. Yeah, but, you know, like the rate of inflation. Right. So uh, interesting. All right. Well, great financial fact of the week. And that leads up here to our first topic, and that is the 10 retirement saving myths debunked, because we're going to debunk those today. And this is based on a great article out of GoBankingRates.com, a recent article here. And, um, you know, when you start talking about retirement savings, it's almost like you're speaking a different language. You know, if you've ever seen some of those commercials, there's a great one out there about, uh, about in, in fact, it's about planning and investing and and the, oh, the yeah. advisor speaking like some different language and right. the person's just looking at him with their eyes crossed and all that and you really want to throw a monkey wrench at them throw a chart on the board mm-hmm. yeah you know right. if you're doing a presentation or something like that throw a chart up there and watch what happens you see all the gears really start to jam up exactly and when you start talking about retirement savings i mean there's a lot of of, of misinformation out there and things that um, that, that people believe that just are not true. And, uh, you know, if you're confused about those different retirement vehicles and how to save, um, you know, it's important to do your research and, and to create a plan. So when you're doing your research, however, you have to be careful because you come across some pieces of advice that aren't always 100% accurate. In fact, I mean, there's just a lot of information out there that, that's misleading, mm-hmm. you know, because it's designed to maybe sell something. Um, so you have to be careful. So the first one here, though, we're going to talk about is just kind of a, a common myth out there, uh, particularly for young people, that Social Security will cover most of their expenses during retirement. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I mean, for somebody that's older, you know, that it really is a joke. I mean, they recognize that it's not true. Mm-hmm. But for young people, sometimes they believe that and they kind of put off their savings as a result of that. But, yeah, if you live solely off of Social Security checks rather than retirement savings, you're going to find yourself struggling. In fact, Dave Ramsey um, has said that if you rely on Social Security for retirement, you'll be living small. Yeah, no doubt. And you'll be at the mercy of the government. And furthermore, Social Security is projected to run out of money in 2033. So, you know, even if Social Security is running smoothly by the time you retire, that's not on, the only income you want to rely on. So consider Social Security kind of as a bonus on top of your 401k and any other pensions you have, certainly don't have yourself relying on Social Security. Yeah, that's right. There's definitely going to be changes to that, guys. I mean, I read articles weekly now Has about. To be. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to make changes, and uh, it's going to impact people. So that's a good one. The second one here on the list is um, some people think that they should pay their child's college tuition first before retirement, and that's that's not good. Um, according to a T. Rowe Price survey. of parents surveyed agreed with this statement. I would rather dip into my retirement savings to pay for my kids' college education than have them take on student loans. Now, that's noble for them not to have student loans, but 
you've got to be able to take care of yourself. That's the that's the higher priority of the two. Yeah, big mistake. And it's understandable. I mean, they want to, to do all they can for their, their children, but sacrificing your retirement savings for their education, it will only hurt both of you, you know, in the future. So, you know, if you don't have enough money saved to support yourself in later years, I mean, your adult children might have to shoulder some of the expenses. So that's a mistake. Do not do that. Yeah, definitely not. That's certainly one you want to avoid, and and we do see that a lot Mm -hmm. in this business, no doubt. So that's a good one. All right, the next one here is my 401K is all I'll need, and I'm on track if I'm just getting the match in my 401K. You know, I mean, that statement is has a little bit of truth in it, but it is mostly myth. I mean, sure, you'll be okay if you have a huge 401K, but, you know, it shouldn't be your only savings plan either. I mean, invest in a Roth IRA. Um, make sure that everything you had a- adds up to more like 15% of your income rather than just getting your match. Um, an IRA, I mean, not only gives you the – a Roth IRA not only gives you the ability to save more, but it also, you know, has more investment choices mm-hmm. outside of your plan than a 401K, lets you accumulate a pot of money that's tax-free, which gives you a lot more control over your tax situation in retirement. So you want to be careful that you're not putting all your eggs in the 401k basket, that you you have other investments along with that to position you well for retirement. Yeah, and then the, the next one that we're looking at uh, is it's too early for me to start savings. <laughs> you know, that just yeah, it blows some people's mind to just think of starting in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I know I've told the story numerous times, but my brother actually started in his early 20s and and it's amazing at where he is just in a short amount of time. You know, he's only like 31 uh, years old now, but it's it's really helped him a lot. Kathy Curtis, an investment advisor and financial planner with uh, Curtis Financial Planning, told the Huffington Post, if workers would start out taking full advantage of retirement savings and in the beginning of their careers, they would be so much better off without the stress and the worry later on. You know, in other words, save the money now and thank yourself later. Yeah, there is no substitute for starting early. Um, you know, I've tried to start my kids as soon as they had real jobs by helping them get started with a Roth mm-hmm. IRA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but if you've got an extra 10 years on your retirement savings, I mean, that is That's just exponential. It's, it's huge. It's invaluable, and we've run some numbers for that before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I had some um, uh, some clients come in a couple weeks ago with their three kids, and, and they were young in, in high school and college. And, and uh, one of the high schoolers uh, who's just graduating is going to um, open up a Roth account at uh, age 18. That's that, awesome. It's pretty, pretty powerful stuff. And you did the stat the other day. It's like a quarter of a million dollars if you put $2,000 just for three uh, years. For three years. And do it you for know, 40, 40 and years. Hold that money, invest it 10% for 40 years. Yeah, yeah, it was over a quarter of a million dollars extra they would have in their 401k. That's a nice. Or their, their Roth IRA. That's Roth a nice amount. tax-free, too. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's huge. That's unbelievable. And we've done the numbers for too. If you delay, every 10 years you delay, you have to contribute about two and a half times more per month to end up with the same amount mm-hmm. at retirement yeah, at yeah. age 60 or so. Gets to a so, point where it's almost impossible to catch up. Exactly. So if you delay ten years, and rather than saving three hundred dollars a month, you'd have to save something more like eight hundred dollars mm-hmm, a month mm-hmm. to get you where you need to be. So it, it, you don't. You want to start as early as conceivably possible, as soon as you get your first job. You know, is our recommendation. So. Uh, that's a good one. All right, well, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates, 
706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are going to continue our discussion here um, before the break about the 10 retirement saving myths debunked. Uh, We are... We are cleaning up the myths out there about retirement savings today. Cleaning up the mess. Exactly. I mean, mess, the myths. I mean, there's so many things that people believe, and it's just, if they don't find it on the internet or something, it's just inherent. You know, they kind of believe that maybe Social Security will cover all their needs. The young people tend to believe that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, that retirement will be taken care of by their company and Social Security. That can't be further from the truth. We talked about that. Um, You know, I should pay my kids college tuition first that's a higher priority than retirement another big myth don't do it yeah leave um, the retirement plans alone leave exactly the alone. you can get a loan for for college you can't get a loan for retirement so you know leave your re- retirement plan alone your 401k is all you'll need for retirement people uh, you know again that's one of those myths out there you're most likely going to need other money outside your 401k plan and make sure you're getting a full 15 percent in there and then, you know, another one is it's too early for me to start saving, you know, that that I don't really need to worry about that until I get in my 30s or maybe even my 40s, heaven forbid. Um, it, you know, you got to start as early as possible. Every every year extra you have is going to make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. That, and it also sets a precedent, you know, in the behavior. Exactly. You know, Dave talks about uh, how... How money management is a lot about behavior too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's know, right. Go and ahead you, and get into that habit. Exactly, and you got to start it early before you start getting all the responsibilities of life. That's right. You know, that's right. once you have kids, and it's it's too late. It piles to, up on you. It is really hard to change and, and start committing a significant amount of money to retirement. So, um, so those were the first ones, and then the next one here on the list is, um, it's too late for me to start saving. Um, you know. <laughs> You know, that that is another huge myth. I mean, there are huge advantages to starting retirement savings early, obviously. But, you know, being close to retirement doesn't mean that it's too late to start saving. I mean, it just means you're going to have to work harder to catch up for your retirement. But it can be done. I mean, every and everything helps. Even if you can't fully cover what you'd like to get to for retirement, um, you can make a big dent in it if you have a plan and you get serious about it. So take advantage of maxing out your 401k and your Roth IRAs, regardless of what stage you are. Um, save as much as you can. Perhaps delay your retirement a few years if necessary and if possible. You know, I mean, cut your budget to the bare bones. Come up with a plan for getting you where you need to be, even if you're already 50 or 55. You know, you got to have a plan. And you got to get on the path to, to getting to a secure point, mm-hmm. and, and you can get there in ten or fifteen years. It's just more work. Yeah, that's right. That's so, right. That's a good one. Never, it's never too late. Exactly. Never too late. So, uh, number six here on the list, um, we hear sometimes, and we see this out there, is some people think they need a job with good benefits uh, to start saving, and that's not true. I mean, obviously, the matches that are in four hundred one ks. Are, are a great deal. You put three percent in, they give you three percent. But you know, not all companies offer that benefit, uh, or even have a retirement you know savings plan. And if that's the case, 
Yeah, there are other uh, vehicles out there. You can do Roth IRAs, traditional IRAs. You can put $5,500 a year in there. Uh, if you're over 50, you can put 6500 And then beyond that, there's something called a brokerage account that you could also save in as a retirement vehicle as well. So there's some options. You don't have to have a, a quote, company 401K to, to do retirement savings. Exactly. There are other options. And you got to take the bull by the horn and do it yourself. For, forget your company. Nobody's going to do it for you. You got to take responsibility yep. and get yourself on track, regardless of what your resources are, too. Yep. So... Yeah, that's a good one. Next one here is a myth that I will spend less money once I'm retired, so I won't need nearly as much money. Well, you know, I mean, that could be true. You could spend less money. It just kind of depends on what your lifestyle is now, what your tax rate is now. Taxes will probably be lower. Um, But this is another huge myth that individuals are going to spend less once they're retired. I mean, it is true that you may have your debts paid off for retirement. I hope you will. That is certainly something we recommend, to have your house and all your debts totally paid off when you retire. Um, and you may have a few fewer bills. You know, you may not. Your gas bill may be less. But remember, I mean, you also, you know, may have some higher taxes because you may not have all the tax breaks that you have now. Your medical will probably be higher. Retirement brings a lot of free time, which means you can spend a lot more money. You know, you'll be... You'll be traveling, perhaps. Um, hope you will. Hope you'll be playing more golf. <laughs> you should. You know, factor that into your plan. <laughs> I mean, but you need to start saving and budgeting for those things now so you can afford them later. Um, you're probably going to need 70 or 80% is what studies show of your pre-retirement income once you're retired. And the primary reason you need less, though, is because you won't be paying Social Security taxes and your your overall tax rate will be yeah. a little bit less and you that's, probably won't be saving either so that's people, right you're not putting money in your yeah. 401k plan exactly <clears throat> so right number eight uh sometimes this can be a touchy one guys it says i shouldn't start saving for retirement until my debt is paid off mm-hmm. well paying off debt is, is a good thing but it should not take precedent over the retirement savings uh the goal is to pay off debt while still regularly contributing uh, to retirement accounts. You know, one thing that we we really encourage uh, people to do is at least, at least get the company match. If you have a 401k that's available to you, make sure you're at least getting the company match and then maybe focus, you know, a little more on debt and kind of getting that behind you. And then, yes, you'll be able to turn up the heat uh, and how much you're able to contribute, you know, into that 401k, but at least get that, uh, you know, so you don't have to miss out on the time advantage that, that that's extended to you. So. Exactly. You need to do both. Exactly. Right. Get right. debts paid off, but start saving for retirement. Okay, great. <clears throat> Next one here on the list is I should only invest in fixed income or bonds wow. um, because the market's too risky, basically. You know, I mean, there's an age-old financial rule that tells us individuals to subtract their age from 100, and that tells you how much you should invest in stocks. Um, so if you're 40 years old, you know, that old <clears throat> adage says that 60% of your portfolio should be in stocks. Um, but that really is is far too conservative in today's world, um, we believe. <clears throat> you know, I mean, you're... Sure, you you. When you get older, you need to have some of your money invested in bonds, which tend to be safer or fixed income. <clears throat> but you know, and you do need to reduce your risk. But you know, life expectancy rates have increased, and uh, that's not the best advice anymore. I mean, having too much in bonds can th- be threatened by years of inflation, as we just talked about earlier. I mean, the rule really should be more like 120 minus your age. 
or or really I, I believe you should be a hundred percent in stocks uh, equities if you can if you can handle the volatility until you're five or ten years from retirement mm-hmm. you know I mean because you're going to make more money in equities yeah Dave, history has shown and Dave Ramsey agrees with that uh, you know it, 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 obviously it's dependent on each person's specific it situation is. some people can't sleep at night depending on how they're invested so you got to get that right but yeah I mean you're you're right on you got you got to be invested to to try to grow some to fight inflation. Yeah, that's right. Good. All right, and the last one here on the list is I'll need a million dollars in retirement savings, and and that'll that'll take care of all my needs. Well, you know, a million dollars sounds like a lot of money, and many individuals probably will be making uh, that their goal to get a million dollars, get the seven figures there. You know, and that and that may be plenty. That may be terrific. You know, and in today's world, if you have a pension, that's probably true, but. You know, in the in the future, if you're a young person, you're probably going to need more than that, though, because a million dollars isn't what it used to be. You know, you can't rely on pensions anymore. Um, so you're probably going to need a lot more than that. Just do a plan. Have yeah. a plan. Know what the num- real number is. Don't focus on some arbitrary number like a million dollars. Well, and those numbers scare people. They, they're like, I can't get to a million or I can't get to two. Well, if you do this over, you know, 10, 20, 30 years – and the compounding happens like it has historically, the numbers add up. So you right. can do that. You just have to be on a plan. Exactly. And we've shown how it's very, very attainable, even on modest income. As long as you get time working on your side, you invest and in, in, in get a decent return. Yep. So, All right. Very good. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, I actually had this from a, a meeting recently. Um, met with um, some folks that had a uh, variable interest rate. I don't come across those a lot. Most people have locked into to fixed interest, yep. um, but uh, the question is, is, should I lock into a permanent rate? And yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, rates yeah. are, are still pretty low. Um, you know, at some point, we think they're going to go up in the future. Uh, no one's trying to predict here, but they're they're historically low. So absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of risk with a variable rate. It's it may be a touch lower than a fixed rate, but when interest rates rise in the in the future, sometimes they'll have caps of two percent a year. So if you have a Two and a half percent rate. It could go up to four and a half, up to six and a half, up to you know eight and a half. It can over jump a couple real, years. It can jump really fast. Yeah, and that makes a huge difference. <clears throat> and it's too late if you wait for rates to start rising. You know, then fixed rates are going to be a lot higher mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. once that happens. So, if fixed rates will rise faster than variable rates when that happens. So you, you really got to be careful. You want to go ahead and lock into that, and don't lock into a thirty-year mortgage. Okay, I mean, yeah, get 15. a fifteen-year yeah. mortgage. If you only have ten years left on your current mortgage, then look for a ten-year rate to. Finance yeah, that, right? You know, it's more so, popular today. I mean, they so, have those available. Yeah, so get that. You get a lower rate. The, the the shorter the term, the lower the rate is today. So that's what you want to do. It's a great, great question of the week. All right, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call during regular business hours at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages and Gina News. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are going to um, continue our discussion here with a new topic, and that is talking about your credit score. You know, how do you improve your credit score? We got some 
great ways to do it, right? Yeah, now. we do. And um, guys, I'm sure y'all have heard Dave Ramsey talk about the FICO score and. I think he um, he mentioned that he, he doesn't have a FICO score. He doesn't have any debt at all. He does not believe in it. Um, and uh, he went out to get his FICO score, and they sent him a letter saying, um, sorry, Mr. Ramsey, either you're deceased or some other reason. <laughs> you know, they couldn't they couldn't calculate a FICO Th- score. Thank you for contacting us, but yeah. you may be deceased. You may be dead. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, the FICO score, a lot of people um, try to improve it and um, – they get into debt and they get themselves into trouble. So if you're able to control your expenses with budgets and you have plans and so forth, there is a percentage of the public that can handle debt. But what he sees and what we see a lot of times is there's a larger percentage of the public who can't. That's right. And that's why he recommends against debt is that most people cannot handle this process of having unlimited um, you know, credit. So that's what we're going to kind of go through. And you know, most Americans are certainly aware that their credit score is important, um, and it'll you know determine how much it'll cost for you to borrow money, uh, or in fact, what you know some banks won't lend to you at all if you have a poor credit score. But what's a good credit score? A lot of people ask that, and uh, most important, how can you make sure that your credit rating is attractive? So we've got some steps here we're going to kind of walk through. Unfortunately, there's not a universal measure of what's good. I mean, different groups employ slightly different calculations, uh, even different grading scales. Uh, some lenders may, you know, may be looking at a slightly higher score, uh, depending on what size of the purchase is. Um, but if you insist on knowing what the good, a good score is, uh, there's a gentleman here, Bruce McClary, um, from the National Foundation of Credit Counseling. He says shoot for something north of 760 on the FICO sc- score. So. That's kind of a, um, a, a considered a really good score. There's a low of 300 up to 850, and uh, it's one of the oldest and most widely used measures of, of consumer credit. And, you know, this USA Today article is a good one because it's, we're going to lay out some steps here in a couple of minutes. But 760 is kind of a target. If you have above that, that's considered a good credit score. Yeah, and this same gentleman says, you know, you shouldn't obsess over that number. And, and I think that's true. I mean, you want to get to the point to where you don't need credit. Right, because mm-hmm. you got your house paid off, and you you don't have any credit card debt, and you're paying cash for your cars, and so I think you know Dave Ramsey's in a great place there mm-hmm. where he doesn't Absolutely. need credit, and that's where you want to get. But having said that, most young people do need to, you know, when they purchase a house, they have to do it on credit, and so and most people, and the even older people, of course, have to buy it on credit. So credit score is important, and you know, I mean, you can. You can't let your credit score, though, drive you crazy. I mean, scores do fluctuate a little bit from month to month. I mean, they're just based on your behavior. But making sure your behaviors over time reflect good habits that improve your score is, is more important than fixating on the number itself. I mean, and that's according to Experian. Experian is one of the three credit reporting bureaus that monitor your credit and report your score um, yeah. for for, you know, consumers yeah and you know credit score guys it's simply a measure of risk i mean if you focus on good financial habits that will result in lenders seeing you as a good customer instead of a liability and they'll they'll offer you attractive terms to try to win your business as a result so if you focus on some of the steps that we talk about you know getting out of debt um you know emergency funds things like that that'll help you um in the process you know and as they looked at this information uh there was something that they found in common with those that had uh the very best credit. Uh, they also had zero uh, delinquent accounts. Mm-hmm. You know that were outstanding. Um, they weren't late with their bills and stuff like that. However, on the flip side of that, 
the very worst credit ratings, uh, where 78% of borrowers were at least 60 days late uh, on bills and other things that they know. Yeah. So, you know, it was just, it was quite the opposite. Kind of common sense stuff. Yeah, was oh, absolutely. Yeah. Pretty, pretty simple, but to improve your credit score, if you pay on time, that's kind of help. Just be on time. Yeah, Stay on time. Shazam. Yeah, wow. <laughs> but here, you know, paying on time, that's actually 35% of your credit score. So there's a there's a third of it that's related to, to paying on time, and if you got that locked down, you're in good shape. Uh, John, just the other day, I, I saw something on Smart Money. This is, uh, you know, one of Dave Ramsey's program mm-hmm. uh, on Facebook, I think, and it actually had the FICO broken down right right you know and it it told exactly what percentage you know went toward you know yeah the, hmm. the, the to FICO calculate score. the fico yeah. that's right yeah that's good that's good um you know mccallary also points out data showing uh that simply staying on top of your bills is a problem for a lot of people according to a um, recent uh, financial literacy survey of more than two thousand americans 24 percent of adults admitted they do not pay their all their bills on time and you know Again, that's going to affect your FICO score. So very simply, pay your bills on time, and it'll help you. It'll increase your score pretty significantly. Yeah, and so what if you're already doing a good job and you're kind of on top of your <clears throat> your bills, you're paying those on time, you have a good score, but you want to get your score great. Um, what do you do is kind of what they're addressing here. You know, and the first step they say here is you need to take a hard look at your credit report. You know, you can get your annual credit report, of course, at annualcreditreport.com. We talk about that all the time here Mm -hmm. on the show. And that's a history that that shows your credit and shows all of your your credit uh, accounts out there. Um, And it just helps you determine kind of what what goes into your score. And you can find old accounts that you're not using that, that could be closed or incorrect information out there. You know, and another factor, too, is the amount of credit you're using each month. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a lot of available credit. Uh, relative to the to the amount that you have outstanding that will help your credit score yeah that's right so so you know annualcreditreport.com we've talked about that you can get access to the uh to the file for the three agencies so if you want a real quick and easy way to boost your credit score pull that credit report look for things that are inaccurate that may have a negative impact on your credit score and dispute them um, you know, it takes a little while to resolve those, maybe 60 days. And, you know, in fact, it's, it's a good idea to take a look at your credit report maybe once a year. If you're not planning a big purchase, just to ensure that the information is, is accurate and there aren't any uh, fraudulent accounts opening in your, uh, in your name. And um, there's a research company out there called Javelin Strategy. They estimates that about $16 billion was stolen from about 13 million victims of identity fraud last year. So if you haven't wow. seen your credit report, wow. you know, it, it's and it maybe it's, if it's been a year or two since you looked, you need to go out there and check it out. So, you know, there's some fraud issues that you can, you know, look at, but there's also some inaccuracies that can help your credit score as well. Yeah, and, and according to the NFCC uh, data, less than half of Americans have reviewed their uh, report in the past year. Despite the information being available for free, uh, like you were mentioning, you know, at annualcreditreport.com, you know, it's just something that you can go out there and do. Uh, After you're sure everything is accurate and you've disputed things that aren't, the next step is to zero out those credit card debts. Get them paid off. That's huge. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a a huge part of um, improving your your credit score there yeah that's right carrying a zero balance is ideal obviously again that's another one that's that's kind of straightforward but he also recommends consumers never carry more than 30 percent of their available credit as a balance because that may cause lenders to worry that you're you're taking on too much debt right now so 30 percent of the available 
credit is going to hurt you. If you have more than that, it's going to hurt your FICO score. And with as with paying with bills on time, it may seem like a common sense to pay off your credit cards. But this survey found that 33% of adults carry credit card debt month to month. And 11% say they roll it over. They roll over $2,500 or more in credit card debt to um, to other you know services. So once your credit cards are zeroed out, it's also gonna. It also helps to uh, to remember that having a lot of accounts doesn't necessarily make you more attractive. It's the history that counts. So another thing you want to look at is think about closing um, newer cards that you don't use or, or older cards for that matter. If you have cards that you're not using, close them out. You don't need more than one or two credit cards according to this. Um, this article, um, you know, as long as you have a decent borrowing limit and, and history associated with those accounts. So another item on the list is close out cards that you're not using. Yeah, you know, I thought this was another interesting fact they point out here, and that is according to Experian, people with the best credit scores had an average of 12 years on their oldest account, but those with the worst credit scores, um, they couldn't find a single account that was that age. So people that have bad credit scores, their accounts are very new, right? They're mm-hmm. changing out accounts very often. They're not keeping their account to long term. So, you know, if you're steady and you have accounts and you leave them open a long time, that helps your credit score. Mm-hmm. Is what it sounds like they're yeah. applying here. Yeah. Uh, time is the most important factor. People often, you know, they overlook that. A credit score is about behavior over time. You know, we were talking about that earlier, uh, how Dave talks about, you know, behavior being 80%. Uh, of the fact yeah, a lot of times right. in your financial situation. You know, just because your accounts are current today doesn't mean they will be current tomorrow. Uh, and you need to develop behavior over time uh, that will support a good a good credit score there. Yeah, it's kind of all about behavior, isn't it? It is behavior, yeah. Doggone and, it. comes back to personal gosh, responsibility. I hate that. Man. You know, I thought there was just some easy fix we could throw out there Dave, for these guys. Dave always talks about the the person in the mirror is the problem. Yeah, usually it's, it is. Michael usually Jackson wrote are. a song about yeah, that. That's right. The man is <laughs> there. There you go. You're starting to sound like a conservative. <laughs> okay, that leads us up to our break here, folks. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are um, kind of continuing our discussion here, wrapping up our discussion about your credit score. You know, what can you do to improve your credit score? Why do you want to do that? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we're recovering all of that. It's yeah. a really important issue. Yeah, so a couple steps here just kind of summarize. Obviously, um, pay your bills on time. That's pretty straightforward. That will help your credit score. It's about 35% of the total. Um, a lot of people say, what is a good credit score? 760 is kind of a target. Uh, for the FICO score, uh, make sure you manage your information on your credit report. Go to annualcreditreport.com. Take a look at that. Uh, make sure you um, close old accounts. If you have accounts that are sitting out there that, that have no activity, close those. Make sure you pay off your balances on a monthly basis. A lot of times people will roll them over um, you know, from from one credit card to another. So th- those things impact you quite a bit. And I'll just say kind of in closing, you know, um, Dave Ramsey is not – he does not believe in the FICO score. His view is that credit cards hurt more people than they help. 
Yeah, he sees more people that that can't manage it than those that can. So if you do use credit cards, um, you know, there's studies out there that say you spend more than if you use cash. Yeah. I mean, I've heard Dave say that, and I've seen that in some others. Larry Burkett used to say that. Yeah, that's right. So there's some dangers in using credit cards. You have to be very, very careful. Um, You know, make sure you, like Dave says, pay off debt, have an emergency fund, have a plan, and, um, you know, move forward. So... But that's the FICO score. It's um, it's a lot of people talk about it, so it is of interest out there, and our clients talk about it periodically as well. Yeah, and eventually you want to get to you don't need any credit. That's right. So it won't matter. Absolutely. So that's that's the long term goal. But good good topic. Great, and that leads us up here though to our prescription of the week. Yeah, this prescription has to do with um, vacations. Yeah, oh, you I like, love it. You like that? I don't do you? like this. I, yeah, I, I figured I that would be a smile on your face. It was a good one. <laughs> and for that matter, it can really be anything that's not um, on a monthly routine basis. Like electricity happens every single month. You have to pay that bill. But there are things out there like vacations. Um, sometimes uh, life insurance is done like this. But you save one-twelfth every single month. So let's say you're say, taking a vacation in July of next year. You'll want to start in August and save one twelfth of that. So you actually have a, an expense in August. You're putting it aside in a savings account. So when July comes around that next year, you can pull it out and go take, you know, a paid for a vacation versus it coming back and following you home on a credit card bill. Exactly. And you know what I've found to be a great motivator for starting this savings? What's that? is to start researching the golf courses in the area that you're going to ahead of time. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, yeah. I, I think Jill might say the restaurant. <laughs> the restaurant, yeah. You start researching your vacation like a year ahead of time, yeah. and you're like, man, i got to start saving for that. I mean, I'm you not... start seeing those beautiful golf courses, and I'm like, I'm going to play that one. Is, would Kathy agree with that? Uh, well, you know, for her it might be something else. But, uh, <laughs> that's hey, what motivates you. Know, you huh? That's right. I mean, I'm, I'm, the, good... I'm, the, I'm the planner in the house anyway. There you go. So right. it, it motivates me. So find what motivates you and, and start that's right. You know, pushing that button so you'll start saving for, for vacations. Good prescription of the week. All right, and that leads up to our last, to our last topic, and that is uh, the economy. You know, kind of a good sign here recently is auto sales seem to be picking up pace, and so... Uh, yeah, we're going to discuss that. Yeah, they, they've they've started off um, probably at the best pace since early nineteen. Uh, excuse me, since early two thousand and six. Um, sales of pickup trucks and SUVs again have led the way, um, as usual, which bodes well for profit margins for you know our major automakers. Yeah, I mean General Motors. Um, you know, one of the biggest in the industry. Obviously, they say their sales in uh, here this past month is at a seasonally adjusted rate of 17.6 million vehicles. That's the strongest pace since January of 2006. So it's huge. I mean, anytime they top 17 million vehicles, you know, in a year, that's that's a pretty big year. And, um, you know, that that beats their estimates going back all the way to – to 2005 but their sales rose three percent last month and and uh other automakers like chrysler uh fiat increased their sales by four percent um so good stuff for the economy yeah great they're they're heading in the right direction there you know it's always amazed me at how um americans love for automobiles continues when the when when times are relatively good um people just go out and buy new vehicles 17 million that's just one you know that's right that's just one, you know, one piece of the industry. Well, so. you know, I mean, it's a big barometer of our economy today because people spend they spend a lot of time in their car. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. love their cars, yep. so it's interesting. Yeah, Ford Motor uh, F Series. I think that's the most popular uh, pickup truck out there, but it actually declined ten um, percent. Its primary model, which is the F one fifty pickup truck, remained in high demand, and the company said it's reducing downtime 
at two of its plants this summer as it ramps up for production of the new aluminum version. Yeah. So Boy, they're going out on a limb. Yeah, yeah that's going to be interesting. Yeah, it really will be. It uh, sounds interesting. I think yeah. it'll do well. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but, you know, for the second year in a row, auto sales were boosted as more consumers returned to the showrooms. You know, after a harsh winter, we, we really had a – a tough winter again in some areas of the country, um, a GM spokesperson said. Auto sales are viewed each month um, as early snapshots of U.S. consumer spending. Wall Street analysis uh, or analysts uh, surveyed by Reuters um, expect at least a one percent decline, um, maybe next month. So we'll see. GM sales they reached over two hundred ninety thousand uh, vehicles as all pickups and its Chevy Equinox. Uh, crossover rose 30 percent. GM said its average sales price uh, also rose $550 to about $34,000 per vehicle. Mm, wow. Wow. Pretty so cool. Is, yeah. You know, back I'm thinking back to that all aluminum body that you talked about with Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, back in 93, I purchased a van that had an all polymer body. Hmm. And I thought it was the greatest, greatest thing since sliced bread. I remember my, my two-year-old being out there with a hammer, and I caught him one day beating on the fender of my car. Yeah, it didn't do anything. And, and I looked at it, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And I grabbed him up. You know, it was Josh, and grabbed him up, and, and I looked at it, and it was, didn't even scratch it hardly. I mean, oh, just, wow. it was just bouncing yeah. off with a hammer. He picked up a hammer in the garage and started beating on my car. Was it a heavy, a heavy and, vehicle? Uh, you no, know, it was. I mean, I think it was heavier than. I think that's the reason why it yeah. lost traction was right, it right. was a little bit heavier, but it was very durable. I loved it, but it just didn't catch traction. And I wonder if the aluminum bodies are going to be the same way. Mm. There'll be some downside to it, yeah. and you know, more expensive or whatever. But uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I applaud them for trying. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. I mean, yeah, Chrysler, Fiat Chrysler said that their first. It was the first time. In any month since 2007, that they had over 200,000 vehicles um, sold, so strong demand for SUVs and for for the Ram trucks. Um, I think gas prices are really helping that. By the way, absolutely, yeah. well, it's, you put know. A, it's put a little more money in consumers' pockets. Yeah, and they're putting it back into their vehicle, and uh, plus they're buying bigger vehicles, which are more expensive mm-hmm. vehicles too, and that's helping them too. But yeah, I mean Toyota and and uh, some of them like Nissan, their sales actually slipped some. So yeah, I don't I don't know. You know, it's kind of a mixed bag. But uh, Honda, heck, ten point six percent increase in their sales. Yeah, and, and they've had you know some months they they may have fewer selling days than they mm-hmm. did the year before. Yeah, yeah, and you know some of the analysts. This is interesting. Uh, pointed to easier consumer credit as one of the reasons for increased sales. Um, you know, the uh, Experian reported the average length of loans for new and used vehicles in the U.S. Uh, hit record highs. Um, nearly 30% of new new vehicle loans had payback periods longer than six years. Wow, that's scary. So people are people are signing up for the payment versus can I afford the the vehicle? Yeah, it all that, comes back to the darn credit, doesn't it? Yeah, I know it does. That's a little scary, actually. It so. is. It's frustrating because you know as much as people you know you try to talk them out of. Yeah, using six credit. years, 30% over six years. a long time. It is a long time. Man, your car is worn out after six years for yeah. most people. And you know, driving your retirement. Yeah. I mean, yeah, bottle makers are still benefiting from consumers who, who put off buying vehicles back during the Great Recession in 2008, believe it or not. Um, you know, according to the market research firm here, 
Uh, they estimated that automakers sell, if they sell 17.1 million vehicles and light trucks this year in the United States, another 13 million older vehicles still need to be replaced from the Great Recession. So well, they're really looking back at, you know, in the past, and, and it's still helping their sales today because of all these old vehicles out there on the road. Yeah, and he cautioned uh, that, you know, there are signs uh, the recovery could have limits. You know, many many younger consumers are still delaying getting driver's license, license and um, buying new cars. And households, on average, they aren't adding, you know, more cars. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, that's that's affected the bottom line for for many of these uh, producers here. You know, seeing some some dips in their shares. I've got an, another thought for, uh, versus financing a vehicle for six years. Go out, go out and buy a $5,000 vehicle paid for with cash. There you go. And then you save up for four or five years, and then you can go put cash down. As we've said time and again. Yeah. We've, we've talked buy, about that many times. Buy a used vehicle. Yeah. Put the money aside, you know, and, and say, and then you, you will have the money. Like you said, over five years, if you put $400 a month, you'll have enough money to buy a brand new car. Yeah, and cars depreciate. They don't appreciate. So that's where... Wealth building is mixed up. Yeah, the money doctors, we'll close on this. The money doctors never recommend financing a vehicle at all, and certainly not for six years. You are in crazy land if you're financing a vehicle for six years. (laughs) Let's just leave with that. Don't be in crazy land. Don't be in crazy land. There you go. Put you in timeout, right? (laughs) That's right. Financial timeout for sure. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net, or you can email us your questions there and you can link to us. We'd love to hear from you. Or give us a call during regular business hours at 706 739 Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good hey, hey, Have a great hey. Ladies and gentlemen. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Jesus!